hello and welcome to The Grove Zone. You have tuned into the podcast of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. At Union Grove, we are learning, serving, giving, and connecting under the leadership of our senior pastor, Dr. David Anthony Clark, Sr. For more information on Union Grove, find us on the web at www.thegrovewr.org. And now, here's a word from the Lord. Psalm 122, all nine verses. I'm going to begin with verse 1. If you would read the even-numbered verses uh, in unison in response, I'd appreciate that. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. There the thrones for judgment stand, the thrones of the house of David. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. Verse 9 together. For the sake of the house of our Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Amen. Amen. Once again, I want to talk today from the thought, Ready to Worship, Part 3. Ready to Worship, Part 3. Ready to Worship, Part 3. I was raised in church. I was raised in church. uh, You could say I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church every Sunday, uh, every Wednesday, VBS in the summertime. We even had Sunday evening service. We did communion on first Sunday nights. Uh, If we had an afternoon worship experience at another church or at our church, me, my mom, and dad were very likely going to be there. Only way, Elder Reagan, I was going to get out of church is if I faked like I was sick. Yeah. Or if one of my older siblings would uh, take me skating or something. But most other than that, I was in church. I really didn't like going to church. Um, I, I experienced love, nurture, all of that. But I still didn't like going to church. If it was up to me, I'd have spent every Sunday at home watching cartoons or riding my bike or, or something. Something other than going to church. My parents were ready to go to church. My mother was a Sunday school teacher, even played the piano after Sunday school. You know, when you'd have assembly after Sunday school and somebody would give the Sunday school review and all of that. My mother would play the piano during that little part. Uh, my dad uh, served as an usher and was president of the youth usher board. And I was a youth usher. Uh, in my high school years, and I still got it too, y'all. And I still... <laughs> After I retire from pastoring, I think I'll just go on back to ushering. I still got it now. So I, my parents were ready to go to church. I was not ready to go to nobody's church. And we live in a society where there are so many people with 
living with some sort of readiness. Some sort of readiness. Some people are ready to be violent. Ready to be violent. Ready to shoot up four young black men at the University of Virginia. Ready to shoot up folk. I think it was, it was Idaho this week. And ready to shoot up folk at a gay club. Uh, I want to say Oklahoma or somewhere. What, last night, early this morning. There are some people ready to be violent. Yeah, you cut them off in traffic, they're ready to be violent. Either flip you the bird or follow you home. It's a crazy world we're living in. Where so many people are ready to be violent, whether they want to go to schools and shoot up our babies. Ready to be violent. There are some people, there are some people, you may know some folk like this. They're ready to be offended. Like they're ready to be offended. You say something, you mean no harm, you mean, you, you mean not to offend at all, but they're offended. It seems to be a readiness to be offended. Then there are some who are ready to give up, ready to give up, on the verge of giving up, close to giving up. They know Jesus, but they're ready to give up. They know what the word says, but they're ready to give up. They know the power of prayer, but they're ready to give up. They stood on the promises of God, but they're, they're tired, worn out, weary, ready to give up. I've seen some folk who seem like they stay ready to fuss. I'm going to look down the whole time I'm saying this now. Ready to fuss. I praise God I've heard... I've heard no complaints about the, about the, the, the carpet in the, in the pews and the stonework. I've heard nothing but great things. This is beautiful work. But it would not surprise me if two or three folk fussing about something. Some folk seem ready to fuss. I maintain we should be ready to worship. We should be there should be a readiness to worship. And I'm not, I'm not talking about worship as a lifestyle. I mean, of course, there should be a readiness for that. When we talk about where Jesus told the woman at the well, talk to her about worshiping in spirit and in truth. That speaks of worship as a lifestyle. It's a way of life. It, it comes from the core of your bearing, core of your being. It comes from your spirit. Is done in truth, according to the truth of God's word, the truth of how God has revealed himself uh, uh, throughout, throughout history. It comes, is done in spirit and in truth, even with a sense of authenticity and genuineness. It's, it's wherever you are. You don't have to go to a place to worship. Amen. You don't, you don't have to do a particular thing to worship. How we live as living sacrifices uh, reflects, reflects our love for God. But there's something about a corporate worship experience that David, who we believe is the author of this psalm, uh, articulates his readiness to go to a place and engage in an act of worship. 
And I want to suggest that although some are ready to be violent, some are ready to be offended, some are ready to give up, some are ready to fuss, some are ready to do some of everything, the people of God should be ready to worship. Because God is to be worshipped eagerly and gladly as an act of obedience and gratitude individually and corporately. One more time, because God is to be worshipped eagerly and gladly as an act of obedience and gratitude individually and corporately. You can worship God alone. You can worship God at home. You can worship God in your car. You can worship God in your, uh, in your hospital room. You can worship God by yourself uh, on your job. You're worshiping. Even with your, when you don't have your hands lifted, even when you're, you're not quoting the word, even when you're not singing songs, how you perform on that job is an act of worship. But when it comes to the worship experience, the collective worship experience, God is to be worshiped eagerly and gladly as an act of obedience and gratitude individually and corporately. How do you know if you're ready to worship? How do you know if you're ready to worship? Let me share a couple of things, a couple of things with you real quick. We're going to raise up. Number one, number one, you are ready to worship if the invitation to worship matches your disposition towards worship. You are ready to worship if the invitation to worship matches your disposition towards worship. One more time, y'all. You are ready to worship if the invitation to worship matches your disposition towards worship. David said in verse 1, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. As I shared with you this past Sunday, even this past Wednesday, that we're glad, that we're glad, it means glad. Deep, ain't it? It, it means joy. It, uh, it, it means joyful. It means merry. But it also means, it also means to make glad. To make joyful. So David could be saying, I was made joyful when they said to me. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. I was made glad when they said to me, when they invited me to go to the house of the Lord. David said, David said, I was glad at the mere mention or I was made glad. I was, I was joyful or made joyful just at the mere mention of going to the house of the Lord. David was glad, y'all, because the invitation to worship aligned with his disposition toward worship. He had a constant desire for worship. As we would examine David's life, David seemed to live with a readiness to worship. A readiness, a readiness to worship, a thing for worship. I'm saying, y'all, David had a disposition for worship similar, similar to everybody in the school system having a, di a disposition to taking a break for this week. I don't think this past Friday, all of y'all in the school system, whether you're students educators, what have you, that when that bell rang Friday afternoon, if anybody said, come, let us stay here for another three hours, I don't think any of y'all had a disposition to stay at nobody's school for another three hours. 
When they said unto you Friday, come, let us take a break for Thanksgiving week. You were out of that school so fast. Because the invitation to take a break aligned or matched your disposition to take a break. Whether you were getting, ready, getting, ready, getting, getting away from those children or, whether, or, or for our students getting away from those teachers and the paras and the subs and the cafeteria workers and the custodians and the bus drivers and the administration. While all of you in education were ready to get, get away from the kids and their mama and them and their little, so, their little friends and, and everybody else. I think everybody in education was ready for a break this week. So when the invitation came, come, let us take a break for Thanksgiving this week. It aligned with, it matched your disposition to take a break this week. Y'all were like, let's do this. Y'all were glad. I don't think there's anybody in the education system who's, who's, who's going to regret being out of school this coming week. Now, there are some parents. There's, there's some parents in here who may not, and grandparents who may not be so glad that the kids are out this week because you already stocked up you already stocked up the refrigerator and the pantry and you told the kids now I got food snacks and everything for y'all for the whole week already and I bet you half to three quarters of it already gone wouldn't be surprised they eat more when they're home yeah but for the most part I think everybody who's who's in that system whether you're a student parent teacher Student, teacher, what have you, glad when they said unto you, come, let us take a break for Thanksgiving this week. You had a disposition for taking the break. David had a disposition toward worshiping God in Jerusalem with the brother, with the brethren. What I'm saying is he was inclined to worship. He had a thing for worship. Worship, worship was a vibe for David. Now, this time next week, you're going to dread the invitation to return to school. You're going to have a totally different disposition toward returning to school than from going on break. You won't be ready to set those alarm clocks and get the clothes ready, get the clothes ironed and everything that comes along with returning to school. You have a totally different disposition. Can I get a witness? When the invitation came to take a break and leave the school, you had one disposition. You were out of that school so fast. It was like, pew, you were gone. Pew, you were gone. The invitation to return to school this time next week is going to be more like, ah. Come, let us return to school and, and see these cheering again. Ah. Come, let us take a break away from the cheering. Pew. Come, let us return to the school to put up with these kids until Christmas break. Ah. And all of these types of reactions are in the church. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Pew, gone, ready to go. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Ah, do we have to? Is I got to go to the church? Is I got to go to that church? Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Pew, I'm ready. I can't wait. I've been waiting for something. Let's go. 
On the other hand, there are some who would have a totally different response. Come, let us go to the house of the Lord. Ah, do I have to? I exhort y'all, I exhort y'all to strive to live with, with that readiness. To when the invitation is extended to you to go to the house of the Lord, it's more like, Pew, I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm eager to go. I'm, uh, I, I can't wait to go. Uh, I'm looking forward to go because worship Worship is a lifestyle. I live, we, we live with the disposition toward worship. Am I making sense to anybody? Yeah, I, I, can, I worship God on my job. I worship in my car. I worship, I worship while I'm at home. I worship wherever I am because, because I am a worshiper. This is our disposition as we worship in spirit and in truth. But when it comes to coming to the house of God, to be with the people of God, to worship him, there's, there's a readiness, there's an eagerness to get to the house of God, to leave my house and get to his house and worship him at his house. For all of you streaming, you can worship God at your house, but it has a different vibe. It has a different flow. It has a different impact when you worship him at his house. There's something about worshiping God at his house, at his house. And the devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your disposition toward worship. I'm going to say that again. The devil seeks to steal, kill, and destroy your disposition toward worship. Where worship is always, ah, going to church, ah, do I have to go? Going, going, getting up out the bed and getting dressed, ah, on Sunday morning, ah, and you got to brush your teeth. You know, when you're streaming, you don't have to brush your teeth. You don't have to put clothes on. You don't have to take the curlers out your hair. You don't have to get yourself together. Ah, do I have to go? But I believe, I believe there's, there's a difference in worshiping God in his house than there is to your house. And the devil wants to destroy. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your whole disposition toward worship. He wants to straight up, flat out get you to delete your disposition towards worship. So guard your disposition at whatever end of the spectrum you're at. Wherever, whether it's pew or whether it's ah, wherever you are, guard, guard and develop your disposition to worship to where you're, you're, you're ready to meet God. You're ready to engage him with his people. And, and let, let me say this, let me say this, let me say this. Worshiping God at his house Rather than just at your house, one thing I don't think I really pointed out this past Wednesday when I tried to talk about the, the evolution of corporate worship and how in the history of corporate worship, there's, there's been an evolution in how we worship God together. When the tabernacle, one thing the tabernacle and the temple had in common, the tabernacle was put in place when, when Moses and them was wandering, were wandering through the wilderness. God gave instructions on the tabernacle. They put the tabernacle together and, and they erected the tabernacle. Just, so when David talked about going to the house of the Lord, he's talking about going to Jerusalem, the city of God, where, where the tabernacle was, but they would not go inside the tabernacle. There were no pews inside the tabernacle. Are y'all with me? When he talked about going to the house of the Lord, he talked about going to the house of the Lord, to be around, to be somewhere in the vicinity 
of the house of the Lord. He couldn't go inside the tabernacle. When it was first erected, only Moses went in. Then eventually the priest, the high priest would go in. So in David's time during the tabernacle, David, he, he could go to the tabernacle, but he couldn't come inside the tabernacle. The tabernacle was not, de was not designed for people to come inside. Same thing with Solomon's temple. Solomon built a temple what, about three, four times the size of the tabernacle. Beautiful tabernacle, beautiful wooden floors, everything overlaid with gold. Everything overlaid with gold. Everything overlaid with gold. But there were no, there were no pews in the temple. The one thing the tabernacle and the, and the temple had in common was that the tabernacle and the temple was not for the presence of people. The tabernacle and the temple made the main attraction the presence of God. Are you with me? So there was something about the people of God coming to, the, to a closer, what they believed was a closer proximity to the presence of God that, that made them excited to come to Jerusalem. No matter where they lived, whether they, whether they lived in the, in, the, in the suburbs, the villages, the towns around Jerusalem, they'd make their way up that hill. For Jerusalem sat up on an elevated place. They'd make their way there to Jerusalem just to get closer to the tabernacle, closer to the temple because they believe that's where God would reside the presence of God was the main attraction today though today though I think for many of us the main attraction is it it may not be the presence of God one thing we may have lost in the evolution of corporate worship is we, we made so much other stuff the main attraction are y'all with me today Worship is about worshiping a God who is present everywhere all at the same time to include inside the believer. Where I can worship him anywhere. I can worship him when I'm going through anything. I don't know you streaming audience. I know some of y'all can't come. I get it. I understand. I support it. But some of us, we, we opt out of coming because it's inconvenient. The main attraction, the main attraction is, I, I would submit, is still the presence of God. But we made it the music. We made it the preacher or the preaching. That's why some of us complain when we leave, I ain't getting nothing out of it. The question is, what did you bring to the presence of God? When they would come to the house of God, when they would get close to the house of God, it wasn't about hearing their favorite preacher preach or hearing their favorite song or hearing their favorite style of song. They would come with sacrifices. It's a, it's a sacred space. It's a sacred space. The, 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 the house of God, whether it's the tabernacle, whether it's the temple, the synagogue, the church, it's a sacred space. It's a sacred space. And I've come with my sacrifice. And, and you cannot separate sacrifice from worship. But too many of us do. So when you're worshiping at home, and I understand some of you have to, or some of you have to worship at work. Some of you don't even live in the state of Georgia. I get it. I, I, I get it. I support it. I understand. I'm talking about those of us who stay home out of convenience. And I wonder how much, how much, how much convenience can you put in worship before it ain't worship no more? You try to make some Kool-Aid. You got the Kool-Aid package. You got the water. And instead of sugar, you're putting salt in the Kool-Aid. You put salt in it. After a while, it, it ain't Kool-Aid no more. It's, it's salt aid. It's, 
You understand what I mean? Salt don't go in Kool-Aid. You don't put salt in Kool-Aid. How much convenience can you put in worship before it's not worship anymore? You can only put so much convenience in worship. I say that because in the history of the, evol the evolution of worship, when they came up with synagogues, we still don't know exactly when they came up with synagogues. It's believed, as I shared, as I shared this past Wednesday, that synagogues came up during the, the, the Babylonian exile and the intertestamental period. That means that somewhere between Malachi's, the end of Malachi's ministry and the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, that they came up with, with the synagogues. The synagogues come, come into play because the people of God could not get to Jerusalem they couldn't get to Jerusalem because of the exile because of the rules they couldn't just up and go to Jerusalem so they, they, they developed something else synagogues where they could assemble in sacred, sacred assemblies in sacred spaces and worship God together render their sacrifices and hear the word preached and sing the Psalms and, and worship God that way so it was a matter of convenience at one point during as, as worship has evolved. But you can't you can only put so much convenience in worship before after a while it's not worship anymore. They came to worship God with sacrifices. It's something you got to give. You're going to be a worshiper. It's some stuff you're going to have to give up. You're going to be a worshiper. It's some stuff that's going to be inconvenient. You're going to be a worshiper. It's some stuff you're going to have to give God that you'd rather keep. Whether it's time, money, energy, it's some stuff you're going to have to give up. David had a disposition. He had a disposition for worship. David, it's time to worship. Well, it's time for us to go. We got to get to Jerusalem. We got to work our way up this hill. We got to get to the house of the Lord and worship. I'm, I'm ready to go because the invitation to worship matched David's disposition for worship, David's disposition to sacrifice, David's disposition to, to offer God something so sacrificial in a sacred space. One more thing and I'm done. How do you know if you're ready to worship? You're ready to worship, again, if the invitation to worship matches your disposition toward worship. But secondly, you are ready to worship when you choose to worship with chosen folk. You're ready to worship when you choose to worship with chosen folk, when you choose to worship with chosen folk, verse four, real quick, verse four, that is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. David, are you ready to worship? I'm ready. I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to worship. Because I, David would say, I choose to worship with chosen folk. Now, again, worship can be done individually. But it is to be done corporately with other chosen people who belong to the Lord. They were chosen. These tribes, these tribes were chosen. They belong to the Lord. One more time, verse 4. This, that, that is where Jerusalem, that is where the tribes go up. Watch this, y'all. The tribes of the Lord. The tribes of the Lord. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, Asher, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, Benjamin, the tribes of the Lord, God's, God's chosen tribes. He chose them. He chose them. I need all my young people to understand God chose them. God handpicked them to belong to him as his own people. 
They were to be, they were to be his people and he was to be their God, their chosen people going up to Jerusalem three times a year to celebrate what God had done for them. Three times a year, the, the Passover, the feast of Passover, the feast, feast of Pentecost, Pentecost and, and the feast of their first harvest. Three times a year, God chose them because he wanted them plain and simple. He just wanted them. You ever wanted something, couldn't, under, couldn't really explain why you wanted it? You just wanted it. What you going to do with it? I, I don't, don't, don't matter what I'm going to do. I just want it. God, what you going to do with them after you call them? I, I, just, I just want them. I'm going to use them to bring me glory, but I just, I just want But God, they're going to rebel against you. Why you want I just want them. He wanted them. They were not chosen because of how many followers, friends, likes, or shares they had. He just chose them because he wanted them. They were not chosen because of how many pairs of Jordans or red bottoms or designer stuff they had. He just chose them because he wanted them. David was ready to worship God because he chose to do so with chosen people. So why worship with chosen folk? Why, why worship with chosen folk? For these tribes, they not only worship the God of all creation, but the king of the universe. They worship the God, watch this, they worship the God who brought their ancestors out of Egypt. They were enslaved in Egypt. They suffered all sorts of abuse in Egypt. They, they were oppressed in Egypt. There was a mandate to kill their newborn babies, their newborn sons in Egypt. They had to hide their baby boils, baby boils, baby boys in little picnic baskets and send them floating down the Nile River to keep them alive in Egypt. They had an ugly past. Let the church say ugly past. They had an ugly past, an ugly and brutal enslavement, an ugly oppression, an ugly bondage in Egypt. And they had an even uglier deliverance from Egypt. The death angel passed over Egypt one night, passed over the households. Wherever he saw blood on the doorpost, he passed over those houses. But wherever there was a house that did not have the blood, death came to that house that night. This was a household's. This was the households of the uh, God's chosen folk houses were passed over. They got the memo. But for the Egyptians, it was a whole different story. Death visited every one of their households. Can you hear the Egyptian mothers howling into the midnight sky? Because their oldest son just dropped dead. Can you imagine the anguish of these Egyptian moms and dads who now must bury their oldest sons? But the tribes of Israel, God's chosen folk. They got the memo and their sons were spared from death. They were delivered from slavery in Egypt, but it was an ugly deliverance. Y'all hear what I said? I said it was an ugly deliverance. Let the church say ugly deliverance. They crossed the Red Sea and saw Pharaoh's army drowned in that Red Sea. Pharaoh's army with all of his army, all of his chariots, all of his horses drowned in the Red Sea. The very thing God just brought them out of, he caused their enemies to drown in. Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. It was an ugly deliverance for Israel when Pharaoh and his army drowned in the Red Sea. Have you ever seen somebody drown? Have you ever heard someone as they're drowning? Have you ever heard or seen someone as they're, as they're struggling to float or struggling to tread water, struggling for another breath, but they're drowning? We may have heard of people drowning. 
We may have heard of people dying from drowning, but have you, have you ever watched someone drown? Have you ever listened as someone drowned? These, these children of Israel, they, they watched Pharaoh and them drown. They, they could hear them as they drowned, as they struggled to breathe, as they struggled to live. Their, 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 their bondage was ugly, but it was an even uglier deliverance. And some of y'all have had a, a, an ugly past. Some of y'all have had an ugly past and your deliverance wasn't pretty either. I wish somebody would talk to me. Getting off of drugs wasn't pretty. Getting delivered from alcoholism wasn't pretty. Coming out of sin wasn't pretty. Getting past that divorce wasn't pretty. Getting delivered from that abusive relationship wasn't pretty. Some of you had an ugly bondage with an even uglier deliverance. And it was traumatic, wasn't it? It was traumatic. These tribes with shared trauma now assemble in Jerusalem to celebrate together. They, they have trauma in their past, trauma in their history, but they celebrate what God has done despite the traumatic experiences they've had. They're still able to assemble and celebrate. Chosen folk. That's what chosen folk can do. That's what chosen folk God chose to deliver. Folk God chose to set free. Folk God chose to be his own. That's, that's what chosen folk can do. Folk, chosen folk, folk who know they're chosen by God, favored by God, delivered by God, saved by God, graced by God, can come out of traumatic experiences and rather than live on as victims carrying baggage of their trauma around for the rest of their lives, rather than carrying the bag of trauma they can stand as a trophy I wonder if there's any trophies in the house of God today you ever you, ever, you know how many of y'all have some trophies any of y'all have some trophies you got trophies some of them from running track or some of them from playing football or some from playing basketball you have these images standing on top of the trophy to show what you got the trophy in whether it's football or basketball or if you were a beauty pageant you sit in there, you got a little statue with the flower, Kiaya with the little flower, little flower bouquet. I wonder if there's any trophies in the house of God where if somebody would have asked God, what's that trophy for? They, God would say, I, got, I won that one for delivering that one from cancer. I won that one for winning against depression. And I won that one for winning against lupus. And I won that one for delivering them out of sin. And I won that one for delivering them out of darkness. I won that one for delivering them out of bondage. I won that one from bringing them out of addiction. I won that one for bringing them from a mighty long way. I won that one for when they were about to give up. I gave them sufficient grace to be strength perfected in their time of week are there, I just are, are there any trophies in the house of God today but praise God for the trophy of all trophies for when God points to Jesus he can say I won that one for my victory over death I won that one for the victory over the grave I won that one for the victory over hell I won that one for the victory over all of darkness that's what we have in Jesus. And because of him, you can come out of your traumatic experience, assemble with other chosen folk, get up in the house of God, in the presence of God, and celebrate what God has done for you. That's what they did. That's what David and them did. I was glad when they said unto me, come let us go to the house of the Lord. David, why are you glad? I'm going to hit back on something I shared this past Sunday. David, are you glad because you only had to go to worship three times a year? 
They went to worship three times a year at the tabernacle or at the temple to celebrate the Passover, something God did in the past. Pentecost, something God did in the past. Harvest, something God did in the past as well as the present. But they were celebrating what God had already done. We can come to God in expectation of what we need God to do. But listen, if he ain't done it yet, don't be discouraged. If he ain't done it yet, don't be down on yourself. If he ain't done it yet, don't let the trauma keep you from giving God some glory. Look back on what he's already done. I want to know if there's anybody here got enough to praise him for got enough in your praise account to praise him now is there anybody I got enough to praise him for now yeah I'm still waiting on a miracle I'm still waiting on some healing I'm still waiting on deliverance but I got enough to praise him now he's done enough for me to praise him now he's moved enough for me to praise him now he's done enough for me to give him glory right now Then David said, David said, listen, David said, David said, David said in verse four, David said, verse four, this is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. Watch this to praise the name of the Lord, according to the statute given to Israel. I want to submit something for your consideration today. And that is praise is a choice. You choose to worship with chosen folk, but when you choose to worship with chosen folk, you can come and sit on the pews we have in our church that they did not have in the tabernacle, that they did not have in the temple. We got people, you can sit there or you can choose to praise God with other chosen folk who have come through dangers, toils, and snares. Praise is a choice. I wish I had some help. I said praise is a choice. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David, why do you say that? Because for me, praise is a choice. I choose to praise him. He chose to save me. I choose to praise him. He chose to keep me. I choose to praise him. He chose to wake me up this morning. I choose to praise him. He chose to put food on my table. I choose to praise him. He chose to heal me. I chose I choose to praise him. He chose to spare me from an accident. I choose to praise him. He chose to give me some promises. I choose to praise him. He chose to fulfill his promises and do everything everything he said he would do I got to praising I choose to praising I choose it's my choice sometimes you may have to choose it with tears streaming down your face choose to praise him tell the devil he ain't gonna steal and kill your choices to praise God I choose to praising it ain't because everything is going perfectly. It's because I choose to pray. He's been too good to me. I choose to lift my hands. I choose to tell him thank you. I choose to cry out hallelujah. I choose to dance. I choose to run. I choose to jump. I choose to lift my hands. I choose to sing. I choose to tell him thank you. I choose to tell him thank you. I choose to tell him thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody here got a choice to, cho to tell him thank you? Anybody here got a choice to give him praise? It's your choice. You can keep your mouth closed. You can keep your hands in your pockets. That's your choice. But I'm just wondering if there's any trophies in the house who just want to choose to praise him. I choose to praise him. I choose to give him glory. I choose to tell him thank you.
It's my choice. It's my choice. It's my choice. Because when I think about all he's done for me, he ain't had to do none of it. He didn't, have to live, he didn't have to let me live long enough to get saved. He didn't have to let me live long enough to get delivered. He didn't have to let me live. I could have died as a drunk driver. I could have died behind the wheel of a, of a car. I could have died with alcohol in my system. But he chose to let me live. I got to praise him. I've told y'all, but I, I, I don't even know how many nights I pray, God, don't let me die out here. God, don't let I wasn't raised like, don't let me die out here. I ain't ready to come in yet, but don't let me die out here. He chose to let me live long enough to pull me out of darkness. And when I come up in his house, I'm ready to worship. I'm ready to give him praise. I'm ready to tell him thank you. I'm ready to shout hallelujah. I'm ready to give him glory. I choose to worship with chosen folk. Here's a note for my young folk and I'm done. Here's a note for my young folk and I'm done. We, we can choose to hang out with all kinds of people. And some of us can't choose to worship. We don't have a disposition to worship because we got a disposition to hang out with the wrong crowd. And it's the folk you hanging out with that's keeping you from walking in salvation and walking in healing and walking in deliverance. Trophies ought to hang out with other trophies. Winners ought to hang out with other winners. You don't find Olympians hanging out with athletes in the AAU. You got AAU, you got Olympians. If you got an AAU, and I ain't against AAU, God bless all my, all my travel ball athletes, God bless y'all. But you're at a whole different level than an Olympian. I want to be a saved Olympian. I'm talking about gold medals against flesh, gold medals against my past, gold medals against the stuff that I keep giving it. I need a gold medal in my life. So I need to hang out with some other, po other people, other people who are willing to train like they want a gold medal, live like they want a gold medal, pray like they want a gold medal, put the weight and the sin beside, lay it beside so that they can get a gold medal. I ain't got time for folk with excuses. Justifying sin, lying about their life. I ain't got time. We got to choose to worship with chosen folk. And you are saved because God chose you. Chose you. Handpicked you. Called you by name before the foundations of the world. God chose you. Don't you worry about who don't want you. Don't you worry about who, don't, who doesn't notice you. Don't you worry about who done abandoned you. Don't worry about who has forsaken you. God chose you. You belong to me. You belong to me. God says you belong to me. Every time we get a chance, we ought to come up in here with our heads held high. God chose me in spite of me. Chose me. I choose to praise him. 
I choose to hang around other, other chosen folk who have trauma in their past and ugly deliverance is my choice. I, I, I choose that because I choose to win. Amen. Amen. Ready to worship. Ready to worship. Ready to worship. Ready to worship. I wonder if the folks who had the tabernacle in the temple were at an advantage. With nobody, no place where folk could just sit down. Couldn't just come and sit down. When they would come to Jerusalem, when David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. There was dancing, people just dancing all over the city, just dancing and music and celebration. Sometimes for a whole week or a whole day, just celebrating, just dancing. If we ain't having a funeral, how about we not act like we had a doggone funeral? If you want to act like you're at a funeral, go to a funeral. They were dancing, celebrating what God had already done. Way back in the day, what God had brought them through, what God brought them out of. They were dancing, celebrate, ready to celebrate, ready to dance. Some of us catch hell all week. Catch hell all week. Why not celebrate when you come to the house of God? Going through all week, but man, when you come to the house of God, hallelujah. Why not celebrate? Celebrate. Cel anybody choose to celebrate? Like right now, anybody choose to dance and celebrate and just worship right now? Can you, can you celebrate your own deliverance? Can you celebrate what God has brought you out of? Can you celebrate what God has seen you through? Can you celebrate how God has already moved in your life? Somebody, anybody celebrate Jesus dying for you shedding blood for you being buried for you being raised from the grave for you and one day he's coming back for you come on and celebrate who's ready to worship who's ready to worship who's ready to praise I choose to praise him I choose to give him glory I choose to tell him thank you thank you Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on and celebrate. Hallelujah. Come on and celebrate. That's all right. Yes, come on and celebrate. Come on and celebrate. Celebrate the goodness of God. Celebrate the deliverance of God. Celebrate your salvation. Celebrate your healing. Hallelujah. Celebrate. This has been Dr. David Anthony Clark of the Union Grove Missionary Baptist Church of Warner Robins, Georgia. We thank you for listening.
If you're ever in the Middle Georgia area, please worship with us. On the behalf of Dr. Clark and the Union Grove family, thank you for listening.